Hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is your show discussing problems, events, political events from Eastern Europe. I am your host, Maria Ternat, an academic based in Bucharest. And today we have uh, with us from OnePlus One, uh, Yuri Smalter. Thank you for being here with us, Yuri. Always an honor, always an honor to come on the program. And so, yes, uh, thank you for always having me. So, <laughs> so. Yuri, uh, we were discussing and complaining yes. mostly about uh, the way people are not willing to accept any kind of rational argument and debates related to the war in Ukraine. And I was able to witness that, and I have a couple of explanations as to why is it that we became so permeable to propaganda. Since I am a media theorist, I have a couple of hypotheses and um, I have my own ideas, but I wanted you to share some of your thoughts. Why do you think people find it so hard to discuss rationally about Ukraine? And how was it that all of a sudden, even if you had people that criticized the United States for intervening in several countries, all of a sudden this war is the holy war, right? Is is somehow you know above all all it's it's like we climbed on the moral you know uh, uh, we climbed the moral ladder we are untouchable nothing can be said about it without you being called smeared labeled and i find this to be highly highly problematic why do you think that that is what are your explanations well it's Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you brought that up, and I'm really glad that uh, because we decided to do, you know, the, uh, you know, this segment, you know, you know, very last minute, and I'm really glad that, you know, that, that we decided to, uh, to do it. And my, you know, my theory is this, and uh, you know, t- you know, today, you know, as I, you know, was 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 waking up in the morning and I logged into uh, Twitter, somebody that I followed on Twitter, uh, you know, you know, asked uh, what have been the What 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 has been the most toxic subjects that you've participated uh, in that you can't participate anymore? And I, my response was, well, anything Ukraine, Russia, and Eastern Europe is a toxic subject. Uh, Brexit and anything related to the European Union have become toxic subjects, and. Uh, we're not and 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 uh, COVID and what should have been the response to uh, COVID. These have been the three most toxic subjects in which you cannot have a rational conversation. And even when you do find a like-minded fellow to have a conversation, they just bite your head off. If uh, if uh, if if, for example, the following happens. So take so take Ukraine and Russia because that was our because 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 that's uh, you know what we first opened up with. So uh, you know I'm an anti uh, you know you know we are anti imperialists and I and, and and you know you know and the barricade tries to inform people uh, you know that history did not begin with Russia's invasion with Ukraine. All of the problems that the region of Eastern Europe has you know you know has been experiencing. 
you know the you know the problems did not start yesterday. There's 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 deep historical talk, uh, contexts which need to be explored. But I have noticed anything which and but you know I've just noticed this that when you talk about Ukraine, it either it either has to be explained that this was this nice innocent country that has been colonized by Russia, bullied by Russia for uh, you know from the SARS to the communist period, and even now under. Putin and you can uh, you know whatever adjective people want to give uh, to him and anytime uh, you give the Russian point of view or you at least try to be objective which is uh, which, which, which is you explain to people look the Ukrainians have legitimate grievances towards the Russians the Russians have legitimate grievances towards their neighbors and the West and yet and and, and yet when you try to Explain that to people, or even as anti-imperialists, we spend most of our time, uh, you know, denouncing uh, NATO, denouncing the Western-backed puppets of NATO, and yet we're called, and, and yet we're called Putin, and yet, and yet we're called Putinists, or we're called bootlickers for uh, for for Russia, and how dare we, and how dare we defend uh, a bully and stuff like that, and then. And then the other extremeness is, uh, you know, is it, uh, you know, also comes from, uh, you know, anti-imperialists. And I, I love my anti, you know, imperialist friends and outlets and so forth. But even, uh, you know, so 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 for example, you know, my friend Eve Angler, one of the leading uh, Canadian anti-imperialist thinkers, historians, NGO critics, media critics, uh, you know, he, you know. He'll do an article on Ukraine, and I think he's done the best articles on uh, Ukraine and so forth. And it, it'll be paragraphs long. He'll he'll be he'll be mostly criticizing uh, NATO's actions, U.S. and Canadian foreign meddling in Ukraine. But if he spends, but if he d- devotes two sentences, just two sentences, criticizing Russia's actions in Ukraine. He's called, you know, a, uh, he's called, you know, uh, all sorts of names. Why, you know, why the hell are you criticizing Russia? Why are you doing both sidesism? How dare you criticize a Russia when look at what the West has been doing in, in in the region? And I think to myself, guys, take an effing chill pill. The guy has spent two sentences criticizing Russia and is mostly criticizing NATO. <laughs> so and so so that so that's and so. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, 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 so Ukraine. I, I, yeah. It's it's been very, very difficult to have rational conversations with Ukraine without the pro-Western forces saying that we're uh, saying that we're Putinists, that we're bootlickers for 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 a neo-Soviet, neo-Tsarist Russian Empire. And then even when you advocate peace. Or you or, or you say or, or 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 you say, look, I understand why Russia did what they did, but I don't support you know the use of violence and militarism as a way to solve this conflict. Then you get you know anti-imperialists and so forth uh, thinking, uh, you know, wondering if you're a shill for the West and and uh, and why are you engaging in both sidesism and stuff like that. And it's 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 exhausting. I'm really tired of it. It's especially when. Anyone who watches my program knows that I devote 
99% of the time criticizing the West, criticizing color revolutions, criticizing our NGOs and our semi-NGOs, and, and sticking my neck out demanding that people understand the Russian point of view while also criticizing, you know, uh, you know, Putin, and I always say to people, like, look, dude, this isn't a guy I would vote for. Like, I like I like I I'm a leftist, I'm a Marxist. If I was if I was a Russian, I would I wouldn't even vote for Putin. But I do support him. I do support his actions on Syria because that's legal and that and those are anti-imperialist actions. And on Ukraine, the West provoked Russia to do what it does, but but I don't support Russia's actions in Ukraine because I think it only further inflames pro-NATO forces and the uh, the neo-Nazi uh, Banderite uh, apologists. That's the Russians claim that they want to. Uh, mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I think Melvin de Fleur, uh, you know, back in the 70s, wrote a book about dependency theory. And um, back in the 70s, there were a lot of media theoreticians that were still trying to provide very useful and general analysis on the way the media influences the public. And also there was a very, very famous book, The Hidden Persuaders, written by uh, Vance Packer uh, back in the 70s. Oh. I, um, I, I, I need to get a book of that guy. I, I, I know Vance Packard. Yes, it, so. I, I think it was in 1969 that he published a book and it was very popular. He was a bestseller. But I thought it was more interesting. What? Persuasion Sorry. theory or something like that. Yes, it, it is called The Hidden Persuaders. And what is even more interesting is that a lot of media personalities, especially coming from the advertising uh, uh, industry, spent the next two decades trying to diminish his efforts and trying to ridicule this idea and trying to say that the American public has enough, you know, uh, reason and is mature enough to make um, their own choices. Okay. Now, the problem is, the problem is, why did we end it up? I mean, it's a question that's been bothering me for, for years now. Why did we end it up with this situation where it is so obvious that the media influence us so much and we don't have a theory um, yet to show exactly uh, how this influence works and to show exactly, and you know, the media, and especially the social media and the technology evolved at a pace that research was not able to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Because where are you going to get your funding from? Who is going to fund you? Know, because you need a, a, a great research, you know, uh, a very serious investment over the years to see how these things work and then to come up with what? Regulations, right? And especially, I think, the main culprit here in this situation where we are so ignorant uh, in the ways the media influences the public is uh, also the advertising uh, companies and the liberal elites. And I'm going to explain. Yeah. So Vance Packard published his book, 
Of course, he's a journalist. Uh, maybe methodologically is not sound. There are, you know, problems with the book. We should not put him on the pedestal. But he tackled some of the issues related to the way advertising and consumer culture influences us that are very important, very important. Now, what did the advertising companies do? That They were extremely hypocrites. Let me explain why. On the one hand, they hired the most um, accomplished and intelligent psychologists, psychoanalysis, sociologists to tap into the, our minds and to exploit any kind of vulnerability to get us to buy things. Mm -hmm. So they had no respect for us. They wanted to prey on our vulnerabilities you know, unapologetically, without a single shred of shame, you know, and of remorse. And they invested huge sums of money in praying and exploiting vulnerabilities of their public. On the other hand, when somebody said that they were doing so and this is not okay and we should have regulation, they said, oh, but the public is rational. So you see the hypocrisy is very subtle. On one hand, you treat your public like prey and you try to exploit them and to hunt them and to, to you know, exploit every single bit of, of vulnerability that you can find. And on the other hand, oh, but we respect the public because they are rational. If they are so rational, why do you treat them like prey? Why do you treat them, you know, like people that can be exploited? Why do you go after their most hidden fears and anxieties and use it to your own benefits? And this is the kind of hypocrisy that was allowed by the liberal elites to go on and on and on. Then yeah, 2000, then 2016 happened. And that got scared. They got scared because for the first time they were not able to control the narrative. For the first time, they saw that it was possible for other actors in the public arena to have their say. And for the first time, it was against their interests to uphold the idea that the public is rational. All of a sudden, we are not rational. We are uh, innocent and we have to be protected from the Russian propaganda, right? Everything changed. Everything changed, you know, their perspective that we are rational adults, that we can make our own choices, that we don't need research, regulation, policies with regards to persuasion and the way it is used in the consumer culture. No, all of a sudden we are weak, naive and stupid, and we have to be protected from above. This is a major shift. Now, the problem is right now that we... I told you, we don't have an acknowledgement from the elites that we are so exposed to propaganda and so prone into believing what is being said and not enough education and media education. And also the media education is done right now to show that there is Russian propaganda. I mean, give me a break. If well, you want, want to have media education, let me finish my thought because this is it. You have to have education against propaganda in general. And you have to see how it works. You have to see how it influences you because there were conducted psychological studies, you know, on how this works. For instance, I will give you just one example and I will finish. 
there were two groups of people, group A and group B, and none of them spoke Turkish. And group A was shown over and over again some words in Turkish that they didn't understand, and group B was shown only once words in Turkish, right? What does this have to do with manipulation? Well, guess what, Yuri? The first group, even though they didn't understand what they were seeing, but the fact that they were shown time and again words in Turkish, they tend to believe that those words meant something positive. While the other ones were reluctant in believing that that was positive or negative. They were rational. But so this is the, the, the effect of mere exposure. Merely exposing people to tons of propaganda makes them prone to believe it. We have to understand this about our fellow citizens. And um, yeah, it's sad and tragic that we didn't investigate more into it and we didn't have regulations. And the only regulation against this type of very problematic persuasion done by the media was against the Russians. And sorry, but this yeah, is... Yeah, or, 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 or the occasional... Uh, Chinese or whatever. That's you know it, you know it's, it's you know you know it's interesting uh, because you know because you know Ukraine. I mean, basically, I, I mean, I actually it's it, it's funny enough, uh, you know, as, as as somebody who 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 did have you know teachers who were very critical of the system and so forth like that, and you know I'm you know and, and you know I you know I'm a person who. Who you know? While while a lot of my friends would uh, you know would consume corporate media outlets while claiming to be very critical of them, I was consuming you know Noam Chomsky, John Pilger, Thomas Frank. Uh, you know, was reading fairness and accuracy and reporting and and watching documentaries of the Media Education Foundation. And yet, funny enough. So even though, uh, you know, if you're a leftist, you know, that corporate media is like, you know, the root of all evil and stuff like that. So we underestimate, though, just how powerful propaganda is and not just even from corporate media, but from our institutions, whether it's the schools, you know, kindergarten up until, you know, university and uh and, and and even even if we think we're not influenced by military propaganda, I mean, it's in our movies, it's in our TV shows. Uh, there's this thing called, uh, I mean, we, we we talked about the police the last segment. There, you know, there, you know there, there's a term in in the U.S. and in Canada called copaganda, where we think we need the police because. Because hey, I, I look, I, I I I've just watched five television shows about how the police are trying to solve murders, <laughs> when in reality that's not what the police do. Very little of what, at least you know, you know, the U.S. police and and similar you know capitalist Western police, much of it is is on very neo Keynesian punitive reasons. Very little of what the police do is actually solving murders and helping out uh, a rape victim. And I remember, I, I have to tell this story. Uh, when I started uh, journalism, my brief you know, foray into it, I was a reporter for Black Agenda Report covering the, uh, uh, the Labor Party conference. It was the last time Jeremy Corbyn was, uh, was leader. So it was a very big deal. And I, 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 I pitched to uh, Glenn Ford, the late Glenn Ford, that this is an important story. Can I please cover this for Black Agenda Report? And he was like, 
go right ahead. And when I was there, it was amazing how I spent so much time with the grassroots activists, with the with with with, with all of the different socialist Marxist groups, Palestine solidarity groups, Jewish anti-Zionist groups, and there was and you know you there you could tell there was there was just civil wars going on across England. There were there were those who were EU left reformists who wanted to remain in the European Union, and there were those on the left who were anti. Who, who were who, who were lexiteers, but they basically were leave extremists. Then you had then you had pro-Zionist forces fighting Jewish anti-Zionist forces, and you could and like you could tell that it would be a miracle if Jeremy Corbyn was to be what was to get elected because there was also just the avalanche of propaganda against this mild socialist reformist, that he was a threat to national security, that he was an anti-Semite, and that if you elected him, plagues of black locusts will descend on <laughs> will descend on England. And what's funny is while I was spending time criticizing left uh, criticizing pseudo-leftists for for demanding Jeremy Corbyn's stay in the European Union despite the, the despite the results of the referendum and attacking people who were slandering uh, anti-war voices, anti-Zionist forces, come election time, when Jeremy Corbyn was massacred, eviscerated, labor was just destroyed, and Boris Johnson and his conservative parties had one of the best election results since since the Thatcher Revolution. I realized. Holy shit, I have completely underestimated the power of propaganda. So I did my own research. I looked at all of the newspapers and magazines, uh, the corporate ones, the corporate media outlets, and, and the big, you know, you know, which ones endorsed Boris Johnson, which ones endorsed Jeremy Corbyn and which ones demanded that people do tactical voting because they felt that Jeremy Corbyn wasn't pro EU enough. And it, the guy just did not have a chance. If, if, if you're depending on the, if, 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 if you are a, a citizen in a country like the UK and so forth, and the only way you, you are informed about what's going on in the world is by watch is by reading corporate newspapers or watching corporate news outlets or your own state media outlets, Jeremy Corbyn just did not stand a chance against uh, against Boris Johnson. Only one corporate newspaper, the Daily Mirror, endorsed Jeremy Corbyn saying, hey, all this anti-Semitism problem enough, this is a guy that wants a kinder, gentler Britain. Vice magazine endorsed Jeremy Corbyn, a music uh, outlet uh, NME endorsed Jeremy Corbyn, but the rest, it was all vote for Boris Johnson or tactical voting because the guy isn't pro-EU enough. Yes, well, uh, we published at the Barricade the first interview Jeremy Corbyn uh, gave uh, after where he tried to explain what happened to him. And of course, the implication of the secret services was no secret to that. But we did this to ourselves in a way, Yuri. We, the left, we allowed ourselves to become a sect. We allowed ourselves to become this place where everybody had answers and no questions. 
we allow ourselves to be manipulated in a way that if somebody says something remotely conservative, he's the Satan. We allow ourselves to consider conservative people the most disgraceful, disgusting uh, entities ever on this universe, ever present in this universe. And this is, you know, perfectly, and that made us the perfect targets for the secret services, I'm sorry. This dual thinking, this authoritarian reflexes, this policing of others and what they say, this lack of respect... For our fellow, you 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 know, human beings. Sorry to interrupt, but but I just but, but, but I just want clarification. Like I I assume what what you're talking about. You're referring to those. I mean, if we're talking about Jeremy Corbyn, or or even if we're talking about uh uh the you know the Donald Trump uh, phenomenon, or even somebody like Bolsonaro. I, I I assume you're talking about those on the left or liberals who wanted to remain in the European Union, by all means necessary, second referendum. And, of course, they kept saying very, very, even if it was true, but the fact that they kept saying things like Brexit supporters are a bunch of dumb asses, they're a bunch of irredeemable racists, deplorables, and so forth. I, I assume that's what she mean by about you know by the attitudes that was expressed by yes, this is by, very problematic, you see. This is very problematic because it allowed the secret services to frame Jeremy Corbyn as an anti-Semite, and all of the sudden all the progressive circles were were, you know, convinced that he's nobody to be trusted. And this is how we operate. Even today, you know, I posted something remotely, you know, critical, and it was from The Guardian, you know, of uh, some incarceration. I mean, you know, the scandal with trans women, all everything that happens there. Oh, and there were those people who came with the labels. They had the labels. They had the truth. They had the ideas. And we allowed ourselves the left to become from a critical perspective, a dogmatic perspective, and we are so easy to manipulate in these situations. Because well, the ironic thing is, yeah. But, well, but, but, but the irony is this, though. Uh, so take so take uh, Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders. Uh, yeah. So so take the example of Jeremy Corbyn and Bernie Sanders because. Because yes, there is no doubt that 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 the corporate media, the state media, uh, eviscerated Jeremy Corbyn. They even made him into a hate figure. Where on BBC Question Times, where audiences ask questions, they're they're always you know pre you know pre, you know prearranged. But but that's another story altogether. <laughs> but on, on on BBC Question Times, somebody in the audience you know what you know was talking about. You know the income inequality and the deep, deep divisions that Brexit has unleashed in society. And the person said, "Look, people are going to attack me for this, but I think the only person that ha- that that can unite this country and get us into a better place without so much inequality and so forth is Jeremy Corbyn." And much of the audience booed the person. So the media did make Jeremy Corbyn into a hate figure, but, and I always say this to people, and there are still people in the UK who do not want to acknowledge this, but Jeremy Corbyn did a lot of his own goals. Jeremy Corbyn, instead of calling 
BS to the anti-Semitism slander and stuff like that and defended people, much of them who were Jewish people accused of anti-Semitism, and make the case right then and there about Palestine solidarity and stuff like that. Instead, Instead, he and his close followers... And, and uh, you know, and the people who were invited on the BBC and the Guardian to speak about Corbyn's policies, they all kept saying the following: "Yes, there's an anti-Semitism crisis, but we're dealing with it." No, no, we respect the will of the people when it comes to the referendum, but we think we need to have a second referendum. Now, coming back to, to the propaganda thing, you know what the problem is? The main Bernie, feature, and, 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 and then Bernie Sanders himself was. His own supporters were accused of being Russian agents and stuff like that. And and Bernie Sanders, instead of calling BS to it, he goes, Mr. Putin, would you stop meddling into our elections? Like, what is wrong with you people? And these are people who have read Noam Chomsky. <laughs> these are people who know that corporate me- who who know that the raison d'etre of the corporate media is to be hostile towards anyone left. That's why you need to fight them. On your own terms, when you are invited on those platforms, and yet Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn were were asleep at the wheel, and I don't know what I don't know. Their advisors they had very bad advisors. I'm sorry to so say. Coming back to the, to the propaganda, because we started with Ukraine and propaganda, when we got you know in this conversation uh, about Jeremy Corbyn. Now the problem and the main feature of propaganda is that you accept a couple of things. And the first thing that you accept in a propaganda narrative is that there is good, bad and white, there is black and white, there is, you know, uh, such thing as good people and bad people. And unfortunately, this is what I was telling you about the left, and this is why I think the left was permeable to propaganda with regards to Ukraine. Because we accept that we are the good people, leftists and the bad people are you know, the, the, the conservatives or the liberals or whatever. And not so much the liberals, but the conservatives, surely they are awful. And when you accept this type of division, you are being propagandized. I'm sorry. And you are being manipulated and you are not exercising critical thinking. First of all, the left should be about the systems that place people into advantage or this advantage or disadvantage position and to see how the, the power structure works, not to go after one group of people and, you know, uh, uh, try to somehow change those because this is what fascists do, you know, focusing on people, on individuals and trying to, to prove that somehow it is in their chromosomes that they are defected somehow and they have to be, you know, <laughs> cured, uh, in, in a very brutal well, well, manner. But, 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 I, but I think, but I think when it, but I think when it comes to you, uh, I think when it comes to Ukraine, uh, because you were asking, you know, what's, what's your theory as to why so many on the left, uh, uh, are you know those who are those who do stand with Ukraine blindly? Uh, you know you know you know why is that? I think I, I think I think it goes like this because because you know the U.S. and its allies you know when they go into a country like Latin America and they you know eradicate anyone who's a socialist, anyone who's a communist, anyone who's not 
of the right wing, I think many people then start to understand that, like, okay, the U.S. and its allies are not a force for good in the world. Therefore, it's very easy to get people to join solidarity protests when a Latin American country is being targeted by the West. And in the Middle East, even though it's a bit more, even even though it's a bit more complicated, but I think thanks to you know those uh, diaspora folk of the Middle East who explain to people. This is what a Sunni is. This is what a Shia is. This is how the Saudi Arabian state is. This is how the Iranian state works. This is Syria. Syria is a secular uh, government. It's a one-party state. This was Iraq under Saddam Hussein, Arab nationalists. So they're a bit discriminatory towards like the Kurds. This one is very much anti the West. This one is very much trying to play both sides of the fence. So it, So it's very easy to mobilize people to to protest against a possible invasion of Iran, uh, even though the even though the left completely failed on both Libya and Syria, there were enough voices to inform people that this was another imperial project. But when we but when it comes to Eastern Europe, that's very interesting because you know much of the left in the U.S., Australia, Canada, and so forth are anti-communist leftists. They are anti-communist leftists. They may be leftists, but they are anti-communist leftists. So therefore, they'll accept a lot of the half-truths and straight-up fake news when it, on, when it comes to North Korea, China, uh, and yours truly, the former USSR. So many leftists, even though they were against the Vietnam War... They were perfectly fine with the with with the with, with what I call the counter color revolutions that saw the end of Ceausescu of your country, uh, the communist system in uh, in Bulgaria, uh, the entire region. We could go on and on and on, and of course, the, the, you know, the end of the communist system in Russia. I think a lot of NG. I, I I think a lot of this is where the NGOs come in. A lot of leftists believe on faith. Anything they read from Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, or whatever left-leaning NGOs says that, like, oh, look, uh, uh, the people of uh, Ukraine, they, they just want a nice uh, pro-EU, uh, it's queer-friendly, it's feminist. <laughs> and, uh, and and this guy, uh, Yanukovych, uh, he's, he, he's being brutal towards the protester. Ergo, he deserves to be... Uh, ousted and and don't pay too much attention to these neo-nazi forces those are just a few bad those are just a few bad actors but no the west is the best in ukraine and so forth like that and i think because they've i think because so much of non-violent color revolutions have been devoted eastern europe it's very very difficult to explain to to fellow leftists whether it's in the region or even outside the region that like no, we're not supporting the good guys, in like you know, in Ukraine. And then, of course, there, and, and and of course, the final thing is, I know that the barricade, uh, you know, uh, last year or the year before, y'all published, uh, uh, you know, the, the 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 historical investigative work of Richard Sanders, very well known peace activist, historian, and NGO critic in uh, 
in Canada. Uh, and he exposed how all of those Eastern European civil society groups, which get lots of money from the Canadian government and so forth, who, you know, uh, you know, th these were founded by runaway Nazi war criminals or people certainly associated with with the far right and so forth. And these are people who lionize Stepan Bandera and whatever, uh, you know, uh, you know, Nazi, uh, you, you know, collaborator that is. But you say this to people and they just no, go. They are not willing to accept this because once you accept the idea that there are good people and bad people and Russians are bad people, obviously, then anything is possible. And not enough is being done to tackle with this mental reflexes related to propaganda, unfortunately, Yuri. Not enough is being done. And uh, this is why we should expect people to behave like this. And we as the left, I would say, we have to understand what are the structural conditions that make it. This is why I try to explain. I haven't uh, quite explained what Melvin de Fleur said. He said, and he proved theoretically back in the 70s when I told you that a lot of studies were conducted and then the the research with regards to media effect was not so you know well funded and present anymore. Not surprised. Ronald Reagan came to power and all the rest. Uh, so what he said was that in periods of crisis, people tend to become more dependent on their leaders and on the media and on authorities because they are very scared that they need a point of reference, unfortunately. And uh, uh, these are the, I, I try to explain for the viewers, what are the reasons why people behave as they do? And for the leftists, it's very important to understand why is it that people are conservatives? Because they are not bad in themselves. Why? Why is it that they ended up so bitter, frustrated, willing to go on January the 6th into the capital, willing to do all these crazy things? These were not people designed to become these individuals that we see today acting out like this in, in uh, against Lula in Brazil, acting out like this uh, on January 6th on the Capitol Hill. When they were brought home for their maternity word and they were, I don't know, one week old, not, there was not a label saying racist, conservative, stupid idiot that is going to destroy, you know, furniture <laughs> in uh, Washington, D.C. on the Capitol Hill. The society has had much to do, unfortunately, with their decaying, with their, uh, you know, becoming those people that we see today. And that is not to legitimize what they are doing, but to understand that going after these people and trying to uh, and allowing ourselves to hate them and to consume a lot of our energy in hating people, labeling people, that's, that does the, the game of the elites. We become prone to, to, to propaganda, and this is the way to become propagandized. If you have, you know, a category of people that you label as being bad, as being not worthy of listening to, you know, it means that you've been, you are so pro propaganda. I mean, and if I were to give the, the public, you know, from a, a media theorist perspective, the key would be, Whenever the category of people, whatever the event, whatever the political leader, force yourself to say at least three good things about those people. If you're not able to do it, sorry, you are being propagandized uh, yeah, 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 and brainwashed. 
but 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 at the same but at the same time, I have to push a little bit back into that uh, in, into that statement because, well, I think first of all, like I said, we underestimate. I I certainly underestimate the power of propaganda. And and but but we also have to understand that when you go to certain places in the United States, uh, not and, and, and okay, I, I am being a bit stereotypical over here. But if you go to to a place like Kansas, I mentioned Kansas because uh, I know uh, you you loved uh, my interview with Thomas uh, Frank, who is from Kansas, wrote a, wrote a best selling book. What's the matter with Kansas? And also did a book where he went after the Democratic Party called Listen Liberal. And uh, so if you go to a place like Kansas or if you go to a place like Texas, I can I the society. I mean, you can say that the society was always predisposed to be very far right because that is where that is where the most brutal elements of slavery and and genocide of the, uh, the, the, the dispossession of Native Americans and the ongoing brutal subjugation of indigenous people and so forth were in those places, as well as stealing much of the country from Mexico and stuff like that. When you go to a place like Kansas, people there are not people there aren't even listening to CNN. It's Fox News, it's it's a Rush Limbaugh, it's an Ann Culture, or it's this entire network of just grotesque far right shock jock <laughs> and stuff like that. And if that's what you're and if that's what you wake up with, if that's what you're waking up with and so forth. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and, and your grandparents or great grandparents were part of white supremacist movements or the most the most or the most vicious of the anti-communist movement, go figure. Now, how do you overcome that? I think I think media both regulation, are... media regulation. But I told you, they had Yuri. They had at some point the idea of having a fair doctrine and having uh, you know producers of TV shows invite people with opposite points of view. And I think that's a start because we reached a point where we hate each other so much, where we are so tribal that we don't bother to listen to what another person is saying. And you have to agree with me. Not our conservatives are are Satan idiots. There may be and. You have to be open to debate them. I'm sorry. That, that's said, but that but, but that said, I think I think Bernie Sanders in the beginning, I'm talking about his first campaign. His first campaign I really liked. I was really inspired mm-hmm. by his first campaign. His first campaign, one of the first places he went to against everybody's advice was Liberty University, which is a a Christian Social, a, a Christian conservative organization f- uh, founded by Jerry Falwell, who was part of the Christian right movement that ushered in the Reagan era. And Bernie Sanders, it was it was amazing. Like he, he says in his speech, he says, "Listen, I don't agree with you guys on your attitudes towards towards the queer community, and I and I respect a woman's right to choose. But let me talk to you guys about what we agree with." And then, of course, he talked about income inequality, about how the U.S. is a land of oligarchs and so forth. And he got a room with a lot of Christian conservatives standing up for him. And I think Tulsi Gabbard was trying to do something <laughs> similar when she would go on. Fox News, uh, Fucker Carlson, and all of those outlets. <laughs> she, she had, she of course has gone completely batshit and is now completely part of like the far right movement. But I think that's one 
way of approaching. That's why with Brexit, there was a there there was a long period of time where I stopped recycling that Brexiteers were a bunch of stupid, ignorant, knuckle-dragging Neanderthals who did not know what they were voting for. And I tried and that that's when I started to listen to those on the left who were who were critical of the European Union and so forth like that. But all that but all that being said though, all that being said though, I think even I, I think even if Bernie I think even I think even if uh, somebody like a Jeremy Corbyn or Bernie Sanders doesn't engage in the in the you're a basket of deplorables you're all a bunch of irredeemable dingbats even if they had a left agenda which just focused on I'm going to raise your minimum wage I'm going to nationalize this and I'm going to, and I'm going to fight. Uh, so that your unions have better collective uh, bargaining, I still think that those people who subscribe to the far rightism of a Donald Trump, of the right wing elements of the Brexit movement, and the narrow left nationalist elements, they still would have voted for uh, for a. Well, it's possible, but you have a social responsibility, especially as an intellectual, as a politician, because you set an example. And even if you don't get the votes, Yuri, you still have to set an example. And we have to be able to establish some connections with people we don't like. I'm sorry, the left allowed itself to be pushed into a corner where even discussing with somebody was a moral sin. This has to end. This has to that end. Does have to end. No, yeah, yeah, that, that does have to end. But at the same time, but at, you have to <laughs> criticize them, not be on the same platform because you know, not being the same platform and you know, encourage them or. But you have to debate them. The idea that, 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 oh, that I am that so morally time. superior that I'm not even to debate those is yes, highly yes, problematic. Look, I look. And look. this is the source. I tell you, this is the source of propaganda. The fact we we are tribal, we are able to know, you know, to to just allow ourselves and the media to put some people in the category of subhumans, you know. This is the way to accept the lies. This is the when we open yeah. our brains for for manipulations. Nobody so should be put that, there. But 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 at the same but, but at the same time, Maria, you know, this is where I take a little bit of issue with that. Look, I don't mind. Look, if 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 if, if, if a far right outlet wants to invite me on their program and it's to discuss why their audience should be opposed to the war in Syria. Okay, I'll happily accept the invitation, even though I completely reject whatever nonsense they say about about wokeism, transphobia, and stuff like that. But, but however, but however, you know, the people who support Donald, you know, the people who support Donald Trump, the people who support, uh, you know, Bolsonaro, who 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 say Lula is a cultural Marxist who wants to eliminate Jesus and we need to eradicate him and communists. I'm sorry, there is no reaching out to those people. They are in a dark, dark place. And the and these are fascists in which 
no amount of uh, uh, like yes of like, course you, there are degrees and you are talking here about extremists you know <laughs> but unfortunately the the label of extremists this day is now placed on people who could be reasonable and who could you could have a discussion I, with them. I could. And, well, well, you know you're, and you're, that's problematic you're, and I would say you know for like you're you're like you're based in you're you're based in Romania you're based in the region where you don't just have one far right party you have fucking competing yes 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 idiotic libertarian parties and you don't have a left that knows how to chew gum and walk at the same time and so forth that's why that's why I understand when you and Boyan say to me look dude we are socially liberal but there is no way we can say to somebody we have a queer bill of rights we have a woman's bill of rights and we have a roma bill of rights because we're just going to be nobody is going to vote for us except for like 1% of the population now how so but, but so so i understand that completely i don't agree with that approach but i understand why no, some this people- is not even what we are saying we're, we're saying stupid. that we should focus more on the economic and i we are not politicians we don't even say that but we say that unfortunately you know there is this division you know there is this division because between a very elitist progressive movement and the working people and we have to find ways to communicate if and if we think of ourselves as being morally support morally superior because we understand perfectly that we need a human rights that we need progressive rights for the queer people and all the rest and if we become arrogant enough you know and elitist we are going we don't have a problem with the content of what we're saying but with the attitude i mean you have to be modest and to understand your public. You have to be modest and understand what their needs are and not go there and start to lecture them. This is going yeah, to be, and, you know... And, and, and that's, that, 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 that's why Bernie Sanders, when he first ran, when it, was, when it was just him trying to... When it was just him running against Hillary Clinton, I liked his... That, that's, that's why I like his approach. I even still, I even still endorse that approach. And, you know, and... You know, East, and, and you know, as somebody who follows Middle Eastern affairs, as somebody who's also from a continent in which people are very, very socially conservative, very socially regressive, you can blame that on on the far right exporting it. But I think even if that wasn't the case, uh, you know, I'm from the Congo, and people would still be very much uh, socially conservative. You could, you, you, you might be, you might be able to convert them to to. To socialism, but LGBTQIA plus rights, more rights for women, more rights for for the uh, albino uh, minority, and so forth. It's just not going to uh, fly with them. How do you convince people to to that 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 leftism is also about being socially liberal? That is still something I'm trying to figure out, which is why in the future, and I'm already announcing this now. <laughs> But I will be, you know, working with the barricade and trying to get uh, comrades of mine from the Middle East, hopefully mm-hmm. from Africa, and we will have rational discussions, I hope, about how can we advance not just leftism, not just a pan, you know, pan-Europeanism, which is, you know, uh, which, which is left, pan-Middle Easternism, which is secular left, 
Pan-Africanism, which is very left, but 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 we don't, you know, throw under the bus Kurds, throw under the bus the LGBTQIA. Yes, bus. yes, I understand completely. You know, but you you don't. I told you one place to go about it, not to think that you should somehow pour it into their heads, but to have an honest discussion with them, to start to start with them and to start from a common ground and work from there, I would say. Because once they, you earn their trust, but if you are arrogant and you think you come from a morally superior place and you tend to be so self-righteous, no, I don't think it's going to yes, work. There's, there's, because I have, I told you, I have a problem there's, there's, there's with the attitude. A to there's a there, you know, there's a way to approach it. And I think uh, the last thing, you know, I'll actually, you know, you know, the last thing, you know, I'll mention, you know, as we, you know, wind this to, to a close because mm-hmm. we're, we're past the 30, even 40 minute mark <laughs> is, uh, well, you know, I, uh, you know, I remember the first time I interviewed you, the first time I interviewed you, uh, I, I, you know, I had seen your interview, uh, Paul Jay's first interview with you on his analysis.news and he had launched, uh, uh, launched that. And you said that one problem with the Romanian left is that those who are of the far left, who are unapologetically Marxist, Leninist, whatever you want, uh, you, you know, whatever is the fancy term people want to give, but those who, re- who, who really are of, of a radical left you know, when they talk about Ceausescu, it's everything was hunky-dory under Ceausescu. Ergo, we need to go back to that period. And John Lennon once, uh, you know, you know, uh, said in his song, uh, uh, you know, you know, Revolution, uh, that if, you know, that's uh, if you go carry your pictures of Chairman Mao, you ain't going to make it with anyone anyhow. <laughs> So I think so. So you know, I so I would advise anyone, especially especially in the West, who are very you know you know those who are uh, who, who are very much pro communist and stuff like that, and they'll probably wear their shirts of like you know Che Guevara and have posters of of Lenin. I would advise them that when you do go to Eastern Europe, please. You, don't start the conversation like that. Do not start the conversation like that. You ask people what was it like under the communist period. And if you can push back against that, it was all shit and talk to them about, well, look, you don't have universal health care anymore. Look at the cost of education. Look at the look at the cost of just using public transportation. I think that's where you'll find that you can decolonize people's minds and they'll and we and again we can have a rational conversation that there was some good stuff about communism, but there was some horrendous shit that the leaders got wrong. Yeah, and I would hope- say so. Now I don't know how much helpful was what we said about the war in Ukraine and what we discussed and propaganda and reasons why people are prone to believing it. But um, if we don't like being smeared. I would say for the last as being pro-Russian or anti-Russian and pro-NATO or anti-NATO or whatever, we shouldn't do the same. And we shouldn't smear people. We shouldn't label them. We shouldn't replace rational uh, discussion with labels, with uh, insults. Uh, and we shouldn't be, we shouldn't allow the elites to tell us who the bad people are. 
But I would also say, but I I would also just say in closing that sometimes you also do have to call a spade a spade. And if and if and if and if a Bolsonaro and if a yellow shirt Bolsonaro supporter is about to come at you, sometimes you just gotta punch, you know, punch a fascist out, knock them out. (laughs) On that note. No, I, I, I seriously do not agree with it. it. It will lead you nowhere. It will show you that you're a good person, probably on social media. But it will, of course, you should focus not on persons, but on deeds and on behavior, I would say. And I agree with you that you should denounce behavior. But labeling people, insulting them, calling them names. Well, if we don't like that we this is being done to us, we shouldn't do it to other people, I would say. And we should focus on behavior and denounce behavior. What do you say we end up on this note? And you yeah. know You know, you know, I'm gonna let you I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you win on that one. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so this was it. Actually, uh, so 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 before we close, uh, yes. So if, if if you like discussions like this and more, uh, please uh, donate to. Uh, please subscribe to the Barricade at their website, also the Substack. Donate generously if you can to them on their Patreon and and whatnot. Please do share widely. Uh, please do share widely the content, and you can find uh, yes, and, uh, and 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 I'm sure the the Barricade will link where where people can find my work. Anything more to add? Maria, as we wind this up. Thanks. Thanks for the discussion. And we'll go back to it. Thanks a lot. This is it for today.